Thank you, Silas. Greetings, Bethany Community Church. My name is Pastor Scott. I am the lead pastor of Bethany North and also the executive lead pastor of this church. It's an honor to gather with you this morning. Uh, just at the 9.30 service, there was almost 3,000 different computers that were tuning in. So we're aware that we gather from all six locations. We gather as friends and relatives of Bethany, friends tuning in, family tuning in. This is a surprising and crazy time. Uh, remember January 1 where we said 2020 is going to be the best year ever. It's just, it's not. And <laughs> we are here as a church today to worship in the middle of this moment because we believe God is going to be speaking to us. Will you pray and we'll begin. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this moment and your scriptures. And God, we pray that you would open us up, open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts in order to learn from you and be inspired by your Holy Spirit. And God, guide us in our response in these troubling times. God, we want to walk the line this morning, the line that you have us between uh, lamenting in pain for where we sit as a city and a country, and also declaring with fearless hope that you're the God that still is working even now. And so, God, we proclaim your glory this morning. And all God's people, no matter where they gather, said, Amen. Amen. Our message this, uh, this day is called Testimony, based off Psalm 116, message titled Testimony. If you don't know me, I am a husband to an incredible woman. I'm a father to five kids, four on earth and one in heaven. And I love to fish. I love to go outside. And there's something about salmon fishing out in the ocean or trout fishing down a river, but especially when it's calm waters. I mean, there's something literally magical to me about dawn as the sun comes up, heading out into the calm. Because though I don't like to qualify myself as a fair weather fisherman, in the calm, fishing is so delightful. It's so easy. It's so safe. You can see every danger that exists. You can uh, look around islands and kelp and try to identify where fish are going to be moving. It's just easier. It's better. But as the wind starts to pick up, as waves start to get bigger, I mean, often that's for me when I'm heading into the harbor. Because when it gets rough, it gets difficult. And if you've been out on the sea in really rough water, you know that, man, danger starts to rise because all of a sudden the confidence that you had in calm water it starts to erode because waves start to pound on boats and things can feel like they're coming apart. And it's in these rough water moments, literally out at sea or in really rough rivers where we start to ask, God, are you here? Are you here? As we segue to today's text, we have this declaration of faith in the middle of Psalm 116 that proclaims that faith is forged in the middle of stormy times and painful times. And we recognize that that is something that's easier to say than to live into because it's amazing how pain and anxiety can change our theological insights. It's like stuff that we knew for certain in the calm, all of a sudden we start to doubt in the storm. And so in the midst of this fearful, painful, anxious, worry time, we're asking, God, can we depend on you? Can we continue to declare your power? And as God's people, what's our response in this time? 
The reality is some of us will get sick and some of us will suffer. And some right now can't even, can't even do social distance because you're a first responder or you're, you're, you're not able to financially just kind of hide away. Some of you are forced to hide away and it feels so lonely. These are amazingly difficult times. And I don't know about for you, but as I watch the Christian response, it feels like uh, camps are emerging. In one camp, there's this kind of frantic fear where it doesn't necessarily feel like we're proclaiming that God is still at work. We're anxious and afraid. I will confess, much of the last seven to 10 days, I can get stuck there myself. Frantic fear. And then there's this other camp that's emerging of kind of a devotion denial that says like, oh, you know, God, God will protect us. and We don't need to do social distance. And, and it's like both of these camps at times can, can, can fail to declare God's power. And in this devotion denial that our witness to the world starts to be cut off from sound scientific evidence. And, and as Christians, we don't want to be in denial. We want to trust God and say in the midst of what's going on right now, it's incredibly painful. Some of this denial is where uh, the non-believing world starts to kind of question our witness. One author, Megan Devine, talking about how our inability to tune into pain and grief can, can lead many people outside the church. She writes, no matter how many rainbows and butterflies you stick into the narrative, some stories just don't work out. Without always knowing why, many people rebel against these kind of transformation stories, or at least we're beginning to rebel against them. Those easy tacked on endings are starting to very slowly lose favor. And so Psalm 116 teaches something different, something real, something authentic, that the best way to deal with pain is not around it, but is through it. And as we open up Psalm 116 today, we will hear this declaration of the psalmist. Even now, we can give thanks for how God has saved us. And we can trust ahead that he'll be with us yet again. And that this time, Bethany Community Church and friends and neighbors gathered around our city and around the world, this time in faith can become a testimony. And that's... That's really what we're saying. I'm encouraging you as a church. Can you even now in the storm give thanks for what God has already done in your past and in hope know what he's getting ready to do in the world? Will you declare with your faith that God is still working? Because the testing in the storms can be our testimony. Let's start here at the beginning of Psalm 116 and just the reality of the testing that we don't want to make light of it. We don't want to say it's not a test, that it's not a difficulty what we're enduring right now. And in this way, we align with God's people throughout history. The psalmist in verses one through four of Psalm 116 says, I love the Lord. He heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. He turned his ear to me. I'll call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. Anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. And then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. I mean, yeah, I don't want to rush past the anguish of this psalm, the pain, the testing. And it begins here with these Hebrew words, literally, I love, he heard. And the author and the situation of the psalm is, is unknown, but the predicament is very, it's very familiar. And if you look at these words to the first couple verses, it's cords of death and being overcome and sorrow and God save me. And so you tuning in today, is this your story? I, I get it. I mean, is this what you're going through right now? 
Is it financial concerns emerging as our economy starts to kind of waver and, and, and slow down? Is it loneliness being forced upon you by social distancing or challenge as, as you're insulating the people you're caretaking inside your home? Is it just questions of when all this will subside and normal will begin again? You're not alone and you're not forgotten. But please hear me. I want, to, I want to encourage you to turn your pain into prayers because God can hear you. He can receive you. This, is, this psalm, it becomes a pathway to authentic praise then because what's amazing about this psalm is it's a psalm of thanksgiving and lament. These two things aren't mutually exclusive that we're either giving thanks to God and having no sorrow or we're lamenting without actually giving thanks. No, the, the Psalms are full of this template for us as his people that we can both praise God and bring him our authentic hurt and pain and confusion. And that's, that's beautiful. Scripture says it's, it's okay to question. It's okay to complain. It's okay to even ask God, where are you? And, and if, we, if we stay tuned into God in the midst of these most difficult times, our faith, the psalmist says, can even grow here in the rubble and in the wreckage. And I recognize that that can sound trite, but the psalmist is saying, trust me, this was my experience. When we hurt, then we turn our prayer and cries to God. I was, I was never really taught this as a young person. It's one of the reasons I rebelled against faith until I got older. But we're here proclaiming today that, that we, we are tearing down this false p- paradigm that we either trust God or we're honest with our pain. Jesus is in both. He's in both. That's why James would write, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. We're certainly being tested now. But that's where the legacy of this church that for 104 years has lived into core values of authenticity and vulnerability is saying that God is still here and showing up even when our hope breaks down. I got to see this kind of firsthand, this like hungering for authenticity just last week. All the leaders of my location, Bethany North, we gathered to, to kind of pray and to connect with God and to make a plan for how we'll respond to COVID-19. And one of the questions, we wanted to get some real feedback. And so I asked my team, hey, go and ask a hundred congregants these three questions. One of the questions was, where is the spirit of God growing you right now? Where are you experiencing God's spirit moving in you right now? And then people wrote the answers on sticky notes. And then we kind of put sticky notes in rows and we and kind of follow like where the responses were and and you know sermons just a few uh, you know service more but the top three let's start with number one what was the number one way people were growing in their faith even in the midst of trials right now number one spiritual disciplines opening up the scriptures praying to God calling out people are like that's where I'm being fed I get that number two relationships that the love of God is mirrored when I'm in relationship with one another. But number three was mind-blowing to me. It was surprising. The number three answer was, I, I see that God's spirit growing me in pain and in trials. That wasn't even on, that wasn't even like one of our options. This was just where people were responding. Over a hundred of our key leaders, people would write on the sticky notes. Our leaders would write the answer on the sticky notes that I'm learning to wait for God. 
My friends are deconstructing, but my hope remains. I've got lots of doubt and discouragement, but I'm not giving in. This is a hard season, but the Lord's asking me to lean on him. It's been a hard year. I didn't always feel good, but I see God present still. Honestly, I was almost never more proud to be their pastor. It's like they get it. Now we're not promised a life without tests. We're hungry as God's people to say, even now in the trials and the storms and the tests, God, how are you moving? Because our faith as Christians is built on a foundation that Jesus' power in the future can be directly tied to God's goodness in the past. We face uncertain futures. We face difficult tests, but we proclaim that God's goodness in the past is a roadmap that he'll be with us into the future. That's what Psalm 116 proclaims. I remember when I was a freshman in college, I'd been a believer in Jesus for about about a year and a half, and it came to winter of my freshman year. Winter in Spokane is is no easy thing. And I was was doing deconstructing before we called it deconstructing. I was lonely. I was alone. I wasn't sure I was at the right university. I, I didn't sign up for a faith that had tests in it. I was struggling. And I was in this Bible class on the, on the book of Matthew, taught by this little dear man, Dale Bruner, who's like Papa Smurf. He's just little and amazingly brilliant. And every single class, he would just, he would uh, recite one chapter of Matthew from memory and then teach on it from the original language and in English and Man, I was struggling in my faith. It was a real test in that season. And I came to, to the end of Matthew, Matthew 27, where on the cross, Jesus quotes a psalm. Jesus says in Matthew, as he was being put to death, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And for me and my angst, it's like, you know, I had known things in the calm with my head, but now that I was living into some whitewater moments, some stormy moments in the test, I felt like my faith was coming unraveled just a bit. And when I read that, I'm like, that's, that's denial. I mean, Jesus quoting this psalm as he's dying, like, how's Dr. Bruner going to explain this? So I, you know, rushed to class and I was like kind of eager to prove him wrong. I was 19, kind of had a lot of the answers, right? And sat in the front row and and Dr. Bruner did his thing and recited the whole chapter from memory and I hand shot up and I said, well, how do you explain that one? Why would Jesus quote that psalm on the cross? And how do we, how do we worship a savior like that? And his eyes softened. And his head turned and he looked me into my soul, my professor did. And he said, Scott, don't you see that at the moment of the most pain that Jesus had ever endured, his eyes were focused in one place, not on the tests, but on his heavenly father. As Christians, we know, especially in Lynn, as we're preparing for Easter, that wasn't the end of the story. That's why Jesus could lean on the father. He would defeat death. And so when we face trials, we're not going to say they feel good or what's going on in our city. We won't make excuses. We're, we're struggling right now. But tests are absolutely part of the Christian experience because it's like something that Jesus wants to continue to teach us and reveal about trusting him even when the winds start to blow. 
And this is the second point of our outline, that in the middle of the storm, God's got something to teach us. Again, we don't have this theology that God throws storms at us in order to break our spirits. No, no, no. COVID-19 breaks the heart of God. We really proclaim that. But even right now, God says, there's something I want to reveal to you about who I am. There's something you'll learn even now. Look at verses 5 through 10 from Psalm 116. The Lord's gracious and righteous. This is his character. He's full of compassion. It's who he is. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, God saved me. And then this incredible verse seven, return to rest my soul for God's been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I trusted in the Lord when I said I'm greatly afflicted. See, as as people in Seattle right now, people around the world right now, like we get this in a really profound way. We're wounded. We're worried. People we love are sick or worried they're getting sick. And yet verse 5 of Psalm 116 is a proclamation that in our simple childlike faith, the Lord wants to protect us. There's this really helpful promise that we're healed, not when we heal ourselves or ignore our pain, but when we find ourselves in a story that God is already healed by his own life. And we're in the middle of, of a miracle. And so we have to just wait for what God wants to do in us and through us. And that's why verse seven is so helpful in troubling times right now in the middle of these storms. Be at rest, my soul. God's been good to you. I've not had a lot of rest in my soul in the last week. I have, you know, the pastor with all the answers, but I've really struggled in the last week with anxiety and fear. And what's this day's press conference going to roll out? It's been painful, scary times. And still, I know, God's been good to us. And, and maybe that would be a question that wherever you're watching that you might journal or draw or share with your roommates or with your family, maybe over dinner tonight, or maybe this can be a devotion in the days ahead. Where has God been good to you, to, to your friends, to your family? Like literally just look back and, and pro, proclaim it. And God says, yeah, when, when I showed up then, you'll know that I'll show up yet again. I've never left your side. And then look at verse 10. It's kind of, again, this template for what it looks like when we struggle, when the storm blows up. Uh, Verse 10, it says that I trusted in the Lord when I said, I'll never feel pain. No. I trusted in the Lord when I said, I'm not going to worry about it. No. I trusted, Psalm 116, verse 10 says, I trusted in the Lord when I said, I am greatly afflicted. It's like God honors the honest heart. It's like God honors the true lament. God says, yeah, no, I I hurt too. And when you bring that to me, that's worship. That's trust. That's in the middle of the storm. I'm still working and you're turning to me. And so if you're in a place where you feel like you can, I want to encourage your faith in the week ahead. Like when you feel afflicted, when you feel worried, when you're struggling, turn your gaze up and in to the spirit of God and how God wants to speak to you. It's really, really helpful that we're just reminded we don't heal ourselves. And in this church season of Lent, what a powerful reminder that Lent is the time we lose ourselves in the larger story of unfolding grace and healing found not in our power, but in the cross. 
What strange and wonderful news that, that our good news is found not despite pain and struggles, but is found in the middle of the Roman death instrument. This is our story because death could not contain him. And the early church knew this. Like this is what's amazing about the early church. 5,000 saved at Pentecost by the year 300 had become 65,000 home churches and they were being persecuted. They were being thrown into lion's dens and to gladiator contests. They were they were being martyred for their faith. And you would think, oh, in the midst of the storm, they must have shrunk. No, it's the opposite because they knew they were not promised a test-free life. And as they struggled, their faith grew because they were able to identify with the Savior who gave it all on their behalf. And that is the gospel and what, a, what an encouragement that this has been the church's role all through history, not to proclaim calm seas, but to proclaim Jesus Christ who calmed the seas. And the reality for us right now, though we wish we could be just over this COVID-19 as fast as possible, we can't go around this. God's got something for us through this. Think back at that beautiful verse from Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters, God says, I'll be with you. And when you go through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. It's through, not around. We've got to go through these storms. And, and the verse that we just had read exemplifies this, where in Mark 4, there's this amazing thing that happens where Jesus calls them to the other side of the lake. That's a helpful piece of the story, that Jesus is leading even into challenging situations. And then out in the storm, Jesus says two things. He says, hush, be still. I feel he's, he's telling the storm to be quiet, but he's also telling the disciples who had just a moment before said, Jesus, don't you care? care? Like when I see the storm in my humanity, I'm led to believe that your compassion has run out on me. Jesus says, be quiet. All, all of it. Your doubts, the noise of the storm, be quiet. And then he stills the water and then he turns to them and says, why do you not have faith? If your faith is wavering. Please, please hear my heart. It's not a word of shame that Jesus speaks over you. It's a word of invitation. Can you, even in this storm, believe that he's with you? If you read Mark 4 this week, it's one of the most beautiful pieces of all of Mark. Because on the far side of the lake, and Jesus heals a demon-possessed man in chains. That's what Jesus longs to do, to, to save us, to take yokes of slavery off us, whether in our heads or in our hearts or in our bodies. Jesus like, I want to free you from that stuff. Jesus heals a woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years, who only touches his robe. He hears her whole story. Jesus has time for you. Jesus heals the little girl and brings her to life when people around were laughing at him because Jesus has incredible power. I mean, it's amazing there's so much power and healing and dead things coming alive and chain things coming free. It all happens on the other side of the lake. But first, there's a storm. Jesus is like, I'm going to take you through the storm because I want you to learn more about who I am. I need you to know that I'm never going to leave you. And some things only storms can show you. Like I learned that as a young man, as a, as a fisherman, because... Not only do I love fishing, but I used to work as a fisherman. I was a fishing guide as a young man. And 
I was actually a fishing guide when I was a teenager, 13, 14 years old. People would pay to go fishing at this resort I worked at, and, and they would come down the dock to go fishing, and the older guides in the nicer boats, phew, they were always the first off the dock. And then there was me, the last boat left. And so the guests would show up, they would look left, they would look right, they're like, we've got one option. I'm like, jump in, and we'd go fishing. And I always had to prove myself. There was this one day in the first season that I was a guide where we'd gone across the sound, about a 25-minute run in our boat, a ride in our boat uh, on calm days. And, and uh, we, were, we were fishing this bay, and we just started to, to, to catch fish. I mean, it was like nothing, as a fisherman, nothing breeds more excitement than when the rods are just you know, going off. We're catching them left, catching them right. And then the wind started to pick up. And, and waves started to build. We couldn't really tell how bad it was because we were fishing the inside of this bay and kind of fishing these rocks and shoals and, and everyone else slowly departed, all the other boats in the sound. We stayed late because I was finally redeeming myself, right? And we're the last boat left. I'm like, guys, we got to get out of there. We got to head for home. And as we came around the corner of the Plumper Island group, around the rocks, man, we were facing the worst storm I had ever seen. I was 14, I hadn't seen a lot of storms yet, but I was scared spitless. The waves were haystacking around Stubbs Island. They were coming over the front and the back. There wasn't a clear pattern to the waves. Saltwater doused the, uh, the outboard engines twice, killed the engine, the boat rocking. The guests who had paid a lot of money to go fishing now started to lose their mind because there's nothing like rough seas to make you lose confidence in your skipper. One guy in particular, Warren, he started to like yell out and scream. And I got the engine started and we're heading through the storm and he's yelling at me and he has no confidence. At one point he tries to grab the wheel. I'm like, get out of here. You know, it's like in the storm, you want to grab the wheel. You think maybe you can do it other than the captain of the ship. And he, I mean, it was madness. I was scared for my life. It took over an hour and a half to get back. And finally, the storm, as we reached the lee of the island, started to subside. Finally, the calm, you know, we'd been high alert for such a long time. It's like, we're going to be okay. We're going to survive this. The, the boat was full of salt water. We were soaked. I tied the boat up to the dock. And the other gentleman just kind of headed up with no words. We were all just too spent for words. But the old guy, Warren, who had, who had had a real lack of confidence in, in my captain of the ship, he turned to walk off and then he turned to come back for me. And I'm like, all right, am I going to get punched? Am I gonna, like, what, what's going to happen here? And he just looked at me and he reached out his hand and he said, thank you. And what happened in the storm, he and I became friends. I would visit him when I drove through his state on road trips. My wife and I would visit he and his family. He's no longer with us, but he became a dear friend until the day he died. Some things you can only learn in the storm. And Jesus wants to encourage in the midst of every difficulty you face, you're not alone. And this is where we kind of we wrap up today is this reminder that our tests can become the testimony and we're called even now, even in the midst of our darkest days to give thanks. Look at verses 12 through 14 from Psalm 116. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I'll lift up the cup of salvation. I'll call upon the name of the Lord. I'll fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of his people. What follows for the psalmist is a testimony. 
where he's like, I'm going to tell my story because when everything got hard, Jesus didn't leave me alone. It's a testimony. I'm not invalidating my earlier pain, but a perspective has been gained by time and distance and meditation. God has brought me this far. And I want to say to you, wherever you're watching today, on a tablet, on a computer, with your friends, with your family, this crisis presents an opportunity for you to be the church. Because remember, the stuff we believe in the calm gets tested in the storm. But I want to encourage us to have hope in the midst of the darkest times. Not to give in to fear. If you think about that narrative, what did the angels say when they first showed up in the New Testament? They said, do not fear. That's just a mantra repeated hundreds of times throughout the scriptures. We're not meant to give in to fear. Jesus says, I get it when you're fearful, but I want you to continue to believe and have faith that I can work even in the most hopeless situations. This test can become your testimony. And you now exist in a neighborhood, in a workplace, in a family system that desperately needs the hope of the gospel. That's the life that God has called you to right now. Like your actual life sitting at home, God wants you to believe that he's going to work. And that as you display hope and good works into your neighborhood and into your home, he can use that to grow other people's faith as well. We're desperate right now for good news. I don't know if you saw that viral video that's been floating around the last 24 hours of the Italians, you know, coming out and making music from their different balconies and the different, you know, porches. And they make this beautiful song and it's been shared hundreds of thousands of times because we need good tunes right now. We need good music right now. And so may your life be a testimony. May your acts of service and care for your neighbors, may you have compassion on people around you. Would you be called to pray that God would do a miracle? Pray for our city. Pray for the sick ones. Pray for yourself. Would you look for a chance for this test to become a testimony, to declare God's goodness even now? This Psalm 116 was quoted by one of my favorite artists and bands. The band is U2. The artist is Bono. And everyone under the age of 35 is like, U2? Maybe my parents? Yeah, but just stay with me. In 2001, U2 is the biggest band, arguably, of the 90s, thousands. They're still making music. But in 2001, in the middle of the Elevation Tour, Bono had been reciting the message paraphrase of Psalm 116 over 80 times around the world. And in the fall of 2001, they had serendipitously booked a third leg of the Elevation Tour around North America, in America, in the fall of 2001, just weeks after the 9-11 attacks. And in their concert, they gave homage to the lament and pain we were feeling as a country, and they would display the thousands of people that died in 9-11. And then in the middle of that concert, Bono would give a testimony. In the midst of a country that was racked with lament and pain, he had the audacity to declare God's goodness because God has been good through it all. I think we have this clip from 2001 from the Elevation Tour, Psalm 116. This is Bono.
That's amazing. That's a testimony. And I think about post 9-11 America feels different, but similar to challenges we're facing now. A crisis of hope. But this is the Christian faith. When we choose hope over fear and we respond in love. And we live out a behavior, uh, not, not hiding from the pain, but saying that even now we believe in the relentless hope and a powerful God. It's Brene Brown who says, what we know matters, but who we are matters more. And I would just say as a Christ follower, what we know matters, who we are matters more, more but who we follow matters most. We follow him who laid his life down. And so when we suffer, we should worship. Jesus never promised that life would be easy or that there wouldn't be tests, but he said he has overcome the world. And so our hope is not based in always calm sea. Our hope is based in the one that we worship. And so we can live now in the midst of the most chaotic times as people of hope, not our hope, but his, not our peace, but his, not our joy, but his. And this is a testimony that we would be declaring Jesus is going to work even as we're watching all of this wreckage around us. And that's the thing with testimonies, right? Like I remember going to Baptist camp as a young kid and always kind of wishing I had a better testimony. I'm like, wow, that kid got to sin a lot more before becoming a Christian. Like the testimony, the juicier the testimony, the better, right? But why is it when we're in the midst of the most difficult storms, many of us, myself included, can feel like God's forgotten us. No, maybe he's just preparing us for a better story on the far side of the shore. That's what I say to my kids now because I tell so many stories when I preach. I just say, hey guys, we're either going to have an amazing time or we're going to have an amazing story I'll get to tell at church about how this all turns out horrible and they're like roll their eyes. But I want to encourage us as a pastor of Bethany Community Church that right now in the midst of this time, that a testimony awaits, hold on to your faith. Some of us will get sick, hold on to your faith. Some of us will struggle, hold on to your faith. And may we be the church, moving in acts of compassion and love and mercy for a city desperate for Jesus' good news. Because Psalm 116 shows us the template that God is good and pain is real, but God can still be trusted. And if we believe in God moving like that, he can increase our faith even now. I've got this friend at Bethany. His name is Conrad Jorgensen. And Conrad's been at Bethany for a long, long time. Back when Pastor John was a pastor, when Richard came, he's been at Bethany North for almost 10 years. And about a year and a half ago, Conrad was diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's. And I've been lucky enough every so often to go and meet with he and Julie and pray with them, to serve communion to him, to witness their love in the most difficult times. Julie is an amazing woman. They're watching today. I love you guys. Several months ago, when Conrad could still use just one hand, he was communicating with his boogie board. And I would just ask him questions, memories that came up, things that he's missing, places where his hope was, was still alive. And I asked him, I said, Conrad, are you mad at God for losing the, the ability to move your body? And he grabbed his boogie board with just one hand and it took him a little while. And he wrote this simple thing. He said, me and God are fine. And if you know Conrad, he means more than fine. 
he means, I still believe. Even as my body breaks down, my faith is strong. We are not promised easy journeys. We are not promised easy days. And what we're going through right now as a community is horrible. But may we take a page out of Conrad's faith book and believe in the midst of this time that we are fine, that God's, God's going to be good to us. We're okay. We're fine. As the band comes up and close in song, I have just a question that I'd love you to respond uh, either now or in the chat com- uh, section on the website or with your family, with your roommates, with your friends. I saw God this week because he did blank, and for that I'm thankful. This is my testimony I, got, I saw God move this week. Maybe you would proclaim somewhere you've actually seen the power of God, the kindness of God, the goodness of God. And for that, you're thankful that this would be a testimony. And as you speak out your testimony, know it's a place of faith for people around you. We all love calm water days. And yet in this time, in this place, this church, we proclaim that God's not done with us. The tests in these storms can become our testimony. Would you close with me in prayer? Jesus, thank you so much for this moment in time. We love you. We see you working even now. God, be with us in our pain. Be with us in our sickness. Be, be with us in our sadness and our fear and our lament. God, we, we don't hide away from the truth, but we know that we are more than just our situations are attributing right now, God. We see you moving even now. We proclaim that you're a God of power even now. God, we would ask for a miracle in our city, that you would flatten the curve, that sick people would be restored. God, that lonely people would feel your presence, that the worried would feel your peace. And God, even as you're slowly moving, we proclaim this day that we believe in you. Increase our faith, we ask and pray. And all God's people, wherever they're gathered, said, amen. Let's close with song.